Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Thank you for joining us today, wherever you are. Um, this is the time of our service when we normally make announcements about the events that are coming up, but because of the situation currently, thanks guys, because of the situation right now, then uh, all of our activities and events have been canceled for the next two weeks. The next event that's on the calendar that as far as we know right now will continue, <clears throat> excuse me, is our men's retreat that'll be coming up in two weekends from now. Uh, so the, the 27th, 28th, and 29th, that is still scheduled. Um, it's still going on as scheduled, so everything should be good. We would also uh, be receiving an offering now, and obviously that's, uh, that's not going to work. Uh, we can send ushers to your house, but I think that might take a little while. So what I would encourage you to do is to do uh, one of really three ways to give. The most convenient way for you is if you will go to our website at covenantlifewestga.org, click on the Give link, and either use the account that you've set up or set up, <clears throat> excuse me, set up the secure give account. <clears throat> wow, <clears throat> this is allergies, not Corona people, so y'all calm down. <clears throat> if you'll set up the secure give account, that'd be the most convenient way for, uh, for you all to give. Uh, you can also mail your uh, tithes and offerings in to P.O. Box 1. Yes, I don't know how we got the first P.O. Box in Bremen, but we're P.O. Box 1, Bremen, Georgia 30110. Uh, or you can also, if you'd rather just come and, and pass it into hand-to-hand, uh, -hand, then you can call the church office and we'll set up a time for you to come and drop it off. Um, but we want everybody to continue to give, if you will. Uh, you know that a lot of things are shut down. We, we're not able to have church right now, but I promise you the bills will continue to come. Uh, at our church, just like at your house. So we appreciate your faithfulness, and I have no doubt that you will step up as you always do. So listen, it's time for the word now, and I would appreciate it if you would just bow your heads wherever you are, and, uh, and let's pray God's blessing on our time in the word together. Father, <clears throat> we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to share your word. God, I, I thank you for the, uh, the technology that's available for us to be able to do this. Lord, you, you would speak to 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 on a mountainside. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the technology to speak to many, many more than that all at one time. And I just thank you for it. I praise you for it. And I pray that you'd bless our time in the word today, that you would enlighten us, open our hearts and our minds, not just to hear your word, not just to understand your word, but most importantly, to do your word in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. I would like to say how much I appreciate Stephanie joining us today. We have a, um, a population of people who are deaf or hard of hearing, and we wanted to make sure that we included them because they are a beloved part of our church. We want to make sure they are included in our morning service today. So thank you to Stephanie for being here. She hates where she is right now, but she is faithful to do what God's called and gifted her to do. All right, well, let's dive into the Word. 
Last week, we started a series called Red Letter Living. And the premise of that series is, what we, is that we need to be living like the one whose words are written in those red letters in the Bible. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our example. He's the one that our lives should emulate. We are called to become like him. If you're looking for a job description for a believer in Christ, that's it. We're called to become like Jesus. Now, while I would love to carry on this series as usual, there is nothing usual about today. The fact that I'm standing in a mostly empty sanctuary looking into a camera to be able to communicate with the people that I lead um, and that we're not here together loving each other, embracing each other, enjoying each other's fellowship as we normally do, uh, that's proof enough that today is not normal. The health crisis that we're facing has pretty much affected every area of everybody's life. It's on everybody's minds. So it seemed pointless to me to just try to act like nothing's going on and avoid the elephant that's in the room. The, the fact of the matter is this is a national emergency. And in the face of a national emergency, we should be asking ourselves, what do we do? not just as citizens or even as Americans, but what should we as believers do? Now, the Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made and that we should rejoice and be glad in it. And we don't rejoice that people are getting sick. We don't rejoice that people are filled with fear. We don't rejoice that people are uncertain about their jobs and their income, but we rejoice in the fact that in the midst of every situation, we can walk in peace, we can walk in truth, and we can walk in love. That even we can rejoice that even on the darkest of days, the church of Jesus Christ has the opportunity to shine like a beacon in the darkness. We rejoice because we are perfectly positioned to make a real difference in the communities in which we live if, if we will respond in a red letter way. If we will respond in a way that's in line with the word of God and what it says, because Jesus is the living embodiment of the word of God. And if we respond like Jesus would have responded, then we're going to be uh, in a position to bring him glory and bring him honor. So what do we do? Well, I'm afraid that too many of God's people will get hung up debating whether or not we should have church. <clears throat> See, there are many good uh, arguments on both sides of the issue. And believe me, I weighed them all very heavily before I made the decision for our church. I've got many friends, many colleagues who looked at the same uh, evidence that I looked at, and they chose differently than me. And guess what? That's okay. There's room in the body of Christ for people to make uh, different decisions and be okay. But that's, for me, not the most important issue. The question is not who will rise and go to church this morning. The question is who will rise and be the church in this situation. See, Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God was not contained to a building or, or to a geographical location. It's not monopolized by a congregation or even by a denomination. The, uh, the kingdom of God is inside every one of the believers. And the only way that we will see his kingdom come and his will be done is if every believer will start releasing the kingdom into the community. People are scared. People are hurting. 
People are struggling with decisions and with uncertainty. This is not the time for the church to shrink back. It's time for the church to stand up. So the question remains, what do we do? Now this week as I was watching this crisis begin to escalate, I was drawn to uh, the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has always been one of my favorite uh, character studies in the Word. He was an incredible leader who, uh, who gave us a great plan for how to be a godly force for good in a world that's in crisis. He showed us how to step up and help his nation through a dangerous and difficult time. And I wanna spend some time looking at the things that, that he did so that we as believers, and specifically so that we as the Covenant Life family can respond appropriately. So today's message is called Nehemiah's Needed. Nehemiah's needed because this world could use a few million Nehemiah's right about now. Let's go to the word and, and read in the first chapter of Nehemiah, the first two in verses two and three, Hanani, one of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going uh, in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall all of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now here's the situation. After decades, really even centuries of warning the people of Israel and Judah to turn from their worship of idols and from their sinful lifestyles, God finally brought judgment upon them. They were captured by foreign powers and were taken back to those countries. They lost their homes, they lost their lands, they lost their identity. They were scattered all over the globe. After 70 years, though, they began to return to the land of, of Israel and specifically to the city of Jerusalem. But the wall had been torn down. And, and it left them vulnerable to attacks and to harassment by the enemy that had moved in to occupy the territory while they'd been gone. This was the situation that Nehemiah heard about from his brother. The wall is torn down, the gates are destroyed, our city, our nation is in shambles and in turmoil. That's the crisis that was facing his nation as he, as he served in the household of the foreign king. So how did Nehemiah handle it? Well, here's the first thing he did. He prayed. He prayed. I want to show you this in the very next verse. In verse 4, Nehemiah said, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Listen, our nation is also in crisis today. And we have responded in many, many ways. Some have responded in panic to run and buy toilet paper. Some have responded uh, with, with uh, cynicism and with snark. They've just been responding on social media. We're tearing each other down. We're attacking. But when is the last time that the body of Christ sat down and wept over the situation that's going on in our nation? When is the last time we set aside our political agendas or our own personal thoughts about what might be going on and actually mourn for the people who are suffering in the midst of this crisis? 
promises. That's exactly what Nehemiah did. When he heard about the national crisis that was affecting his people, he wept. And he didn't just weep to feel sorry for himself. He wept as an expression of prayer to the Lord. He prayed. He cried. He fasted. He sought the Lord. There was a picture that circulated a few weeks ago of a meeting of the task force that was assigned by the president to help get the nation prepared for this, this anticipated outbreak of the coronavirus. And in that picture, Vice President Pence was leading the team in prayer. I believe it was in the Oval Office. And the press and the social media uh, all had a field day with that picture because the overall attitude about it seemed to be if all they know to do is pray, we're all in trouble. Like if this team that's tasked with keeping us safe is praying, then we're all going to die. Why is that? Why that attitude? Because of the underlying assumption that prayer is passive. That prayer is a last resort. That it's sort of a holy Hail Mary at the end of a losing effort. That it should only be employed as the cherry on top of a cake that we have already designed and baked and decorated. Listen, that's a complete misunderstanding of prayer. Prayer is not passive. Prayer is action. Prayer is powerful. Prayer should not be a last resort. Prayer should be a first response. Everything we do, everything we say should be started and ended and bathed in prayer. You see, if you start with prayer, then you can do what James chapter 1 and verse 5 says. You can ask God for wisdom and God will give it to you. What does that mean? That means whatever plan you come up with after that, if you're praying and listening, then your plan will be infinitely more wise and more effective and more likely to work if you begin with prayer and then listen for and be obedient to the answer that God gives. So Nehemiah humbled himself, and he prayed, and he fasted for days. He didn't just seek the hand of God, but the heart of God. You see, all this emergency praying that's going on right now, I'm honestly not sure from a biblical perspective how much good it's really going to do. Because effective prayer in the Bible is not about the eloquence of the words. It's not the desperation of the situation. It's not how long the prayer lasts. It's not how impressive it sounds. Effective prayer in the Bible is always dependent upon two things, repentance and relationship. Repentance and relationship. Nehemiah said this, you told us not to do it, God, but we did it anyway. Our ancestors sinned, my family has sinned, and I have sinned. And if we're ever going to get back on track, God, it's going to be from honoring you, from restoring this relationship, and from turning from our sinful ways. Listen, God is God. He's righteous, and he's holy, and he's powerful all by himself. He doesn't need anything from us, and everything he gives to us is by his grace and his goodness. So if you're not humble enough to come to him in repentance, then don't be foolish enough to come to him in arrogance. 
demanding that he do something about our current crisis. The power of prayer is still about relationship and repentance. President Trump has declared a national day of prayer today about this virus, and I don't care what your politics are. I don't care if you voted for him or if you're planning to vote for him. We will honor that request at the end of this service today because if there's ever been a time when the body of Christ should come together for our nation and intercede, it's now. Our state and general overseer from our denomination has also requested the same thing, but I would recommend that before we start bombarding heaven on behalf of our nation that we spend some time searching our hearts and humbling ourselves because it always comes down to relationship and repentance. Now here's Nehemiah's next step. Not only did he pray, but he planned. He planned. I want to show it to you in Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. He said, so I arrived in Jerusalem and three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had placed in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. Nehemiah's time of prayer and fasting had not been wasted as some would have you believe today. Prayer is never a waste of time. During that time of seeking God's wisdom, God had given Nehemiah a plan to solve the problem that they were facing. People often hear that somebody is praying and they assume that the prayer of faith is all that's going to be offered. But the book of James says that faith without works is what? It's dead. Prayer is part of the plan. But when God shows you what to do, it's time to get up and get busy. You see, God's answer to an, any, a national, any national emergency is always going to include action. A lot of people miss God's answers to their prayers because the answers wear boots and look a lot like work. When the community is in crisis, the people of God can't be silent and we can't be still. The people of God have to get busy. The people of God should be leading. They should be showing the way. We are asking God and we're asking each other and we're asking our community leaders, how can we help? I've already reached out to the officials in the city of Bremen in Harrelson County. I've reached out to people in the medical community as well to see where are the gaps in the services that are being provided. Now, Bremen has a lot of older folks, a lot of elderly. So I've been trying to find out, especially for them because they're at risk for the virus, how do we best serve that population? Now, I was told yesterday that the mayor sent out uh, a message last night on the, on the calling list that she has for the elderly in the city. Many of them are unable or afraid to get out and fight the madness that's happening at our stores to get essential items that they need. Many of them can get their medications delivered because we've got some great hometown pharmacies here in the city that deliver uh, but there are still some items that don't get delivered. So in that message, Mayor Sewell told them that if they can't get out to pick up the items they need, then, then we and other volunteers from our city will go and get those items and deliver them to their houses. So we need volunteers. It's time for Covenant Life to step up. We need volunteers to help us with this. And listen, the kids are out of school. 
I know they've got assignments, but in Harrelson County, they've got three weeks to do it. Bremen may be the same way. The kids are out of school. Many of you have flexible work situations now. This is the perfect time for you to educate your children about how believers respond in times of crisis. It's time for the kids to learn how, to, how believers should be planning and leading and helping and serving. They need to see how believers respond in a mature and selfless manner, not in the panicked way that so many other people are responding. So if you can help us, if you will help us, then please send us a message. You can do it on Facebook. You can call the office at 770-537-3747 and leave us a message. You can send us a text message. You can send us an email. You can Just let us know how you can help, when you're available to help, so that we can call on people to get these, these needs met in our community. We need all hands on deck to help with this. Now, all the forms of contact that you need to get in touch with us and stay in touch with us will be in the notes section of this video when it's posted on our YouTube channel. I would recommend that you go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel today so that you can see all of the updates of the videos. Also, go to our Facebook page, make sure you like it, and make sure you've gone to our website. We're going to be posting all these updates in as many places as we can. We're also slated to serve the meal at the CCC, the Community Christian Council in Tallapoosa, next Thursday, not this coming week, but the following week, March 26th, beginning at 5 o'clock, and they have, they have committed to staying open until the last person is served. Why? Because that's what believers do. The, the Harrelson County School System is encouraging people to, in, in our county to use the CCC during these weeks away from school. I'm guessing it's going to be really busy. So it's going to be really important, more, than, more important than ever, to fulfill our commitment as a church to be there. Why? Because that's what God's people do. It's, it's faith and works. It's prayer and planning, and then it's executing the plan. The hot meal will be served in to-go plates, and, and it'll be served drive-through only. The food boxes will be, will be done as they always do. They'll be loaded into vehicles as usual. That means we're going to need more help than usual running meals out and carrying it back and forth, traying everything up. So please consider serving, and then be sure to let us know that you're committed to coming, and remember what we say around here. If you sign up, show up, okay? Now, we're, we're also working, we're working with Caitlin Weathers in our kids' ministry uh, to, to also come up with some projects for our children to be involved in, even if they're only involved from home. We're, we're finding, we're looking for ways continually to, to serve our community. Now, as we continue to hear from our officials, I will let you know how you can get involved. And as you read through Nehemiah, what you see is that as new problems arose, he continued to pray and plan and find solutions. That's called leadership. Leadership's about solving problems. I mean, think about it. If there are no problems, what do you need leaders for? 
Everything's going good. You don't need anybody to point the way. Leaders solve problems. So as we continue to lead through this crisis and new problems arise, then we may have to change our plans. So please stay tuned again to our social media outlets and to our website for updates. And then when we put those needs out or those opportunities, share and share and share and share so the word gets out. Okay. And be sure to let us know if you want to also be on our call calling post list so that we can get the word out in as many ways as possible. Now, here's the last thing that we're going to talk about that Nehemiah did to to respond to this crisis. He prayed, he planned, and then he trusted God for protection. He prayed, he planned, and he looked to God for protection. I want to read this verse to you in chapter four of Nehemiah, verse nine. Another problem had arisen, and he said this, but we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. They trusted God for their protection. You see, the enemies of God's people were not happy at all that Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall. So they threatened them, and they bullied them, and they intimidated them, and they tried distractions, and they tried diversions, and they tried deceptions to get the people of God off task. But Nehemiah refused to cave in to the fear. He refused to get his mind or his hands off the plan that God had called him to. Now listen, there's a lot of fear in our community and in our nation because of this virus. But as believers, we can't buy into that fear. We can't be driven by fear, and we can't allow our decisions to be influenced by fear. We have to put our faith in God and trust in him to protect us from this unseen enemy, just like Nehemiah and his people trusted God to protect them from those that were just on the other side of the wall that they were building. But I want you to notice what he said. He said, we prayed to our God and we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. So which one is it? Did they trust in God to protect them or did they protect themselves? Listen, it's not an either or proposition. It's both. Ultimately, God is our protector, right? God is our healer. He is our strength. He is our provider. He is our everything. But he is also wisdom, and he offers to us the wisdom that we need to do some things in the natural world that will also provide protection. And listen, self-protection is not fear, If you pray and seek the leadership and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in every situation and in every decision, he will lead you to the right plan that involves both natural and supernatural provision. They are not mutually exclusive and they never have. Jesus fed the 5,000, that's true, but some little boy had to give up his lunch for that to happen. Jesus walked on the water. He did it one time. He could have done it every time, but most of the time he rode in a boat. Jesus could have filled empty bottles with wine, but instead he asked them to provide the water first. It is not unspiritual to do what you know to do, to do all you can do, and then rely on God to do the rest. I've taken a little bit of criticism for moving to an alternative service plan. Some people would question my faith or believe that I'm motivated by fear. 
And that's really not the issue at all. My decision to do service this way was not based on fear. It was based in love for the people that I lead and the community that we're all a part of. If this will help flatten the curve, as they say, I am happy that we could help. For me, this was not a test of faith. For me, the real test of faith is not if we're willing to go to our scrubbed and sanitized sanctuaries and enjoy the presence of God. The real test is if we're willing to go to the grocery store for our elderly neighbors or to help feed people in our community for whom a steady food supply is not a given. That's where faith comes in, not just for having church, but for being the church. So will we take precautions? Of course we will. Faith and foolishness are not the same thing. But will we walk in fear? Absolutely not. We will walk boldly and humbly into the plan that God lays out for us, believing full well that God God will protect us. But just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in in the book of Daniel, when they're standing about to be thrown into the fiery furnace, They said, even if God doesn't do what we know he can and what we hope he will, we will not stop serving him. We will not stop loving him. We will not stop worshiping him. We will not stop loving him and his people. And we know what the apostle Paul knew for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, do we want this virus or any other harmful thing in our lives? Of course not. But if we get sick while we are doing the the will of God and walking in what he called us to do, then so be it. That's where our trust in God comes. That's where our walk in faith is. It's not in fear. Our faith is not in the outcome. Our faith is in the knowledge that nothing happens to believers by accident, that the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord, and that everything that happens to us is, is God is going to use for our good and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Now, this is, what, uh, this is what I want you to do. Um, what do we need to do as, as believers in a crisis? I want you to pray. I want you to pray humbly and seek the heart of God from a position of repentance. I want you to plan. Ask God to show you exactly what you need to do. Sometimes maybe by divine revelation. Sometimes you just know in your heart what he's saying. And sometimes it's just by the doors of opportunity that he opens in front of you. Sometimes it'll be with the church as we band together to to help our community. And sometimes it might just be you and your family. But whatever God says, whatever plan he gives you, do it. And then thirdly, Trust God for protection. Don't walk in fear. Encourage your brothers and sisters. Encourage people who are afraid. Pray with them. Pray for them. Help them. Show them, by example, what it means to walk in peace. Not foolishly disregarding what's wise, but walking in the wisdom of the Spirit as He leads us and guides us every step of the way. Now listen, I know you're watching in your homes or in other places. You might be riding in your car. I don't know where you are or what you're doing. But if you can, can you stop for just a minute and pray with me? This is, as I said, a national day of prayer. And we need to honor that request. And that's, listen, Jesus said, my church shall be called. 
not a house of praise and worship, not a house of preaching. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And so if we gather together and we fail to pray for our nation in the midst of crisis, no matter how good or how powerful the worship is, no matter how eloquent or how wise the word is, if we fail to pray, we have failed. And so I'm going to ask you to join me now in praying for our nation. Father, we humble ourselves right now because we don't presume anything upon you today. Lord, you said we could come boldly, but we also know that you invite us to come humbly before your throne. We recognize your greatness. We recognize your power. But Lord, more than anything, every person who ever had a vision of you in your throne room, the first thing that they saw about you was your holiness. You are holy and we are sinful people. So God, we humble ourselves now and we search our hearts now and we confess to you that we have been, we have been people of unclean lips, that we have been people with dirty hands. We have, been, we have been people who have failed you in many ways. And God, we pray that you would search our hearts now, that your Holy Spirit would search us and try us and know us and reveal in us the truth about us. And I pray that we have the courage and the wisdom and the integrity to recognize and admit our flaws and our failures and our sins and that we'll have the, the courage and the humility to repent. God, I repent right now of the sins that have been in my heart or in my life that I have allowed to go unchecked. And Lord, I confess and I repent and I turn from those sins. And God, I pray on behalf of every person who is praying right now that they would also humble themselves, that they would confirm their relationship with you, that they would come to you in repentance so that you will hear our hearts. Lord, your word says in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, a prayer that I'm sure is being offered up from many, many pulpits today all over the world. But you said, if my people who are called by my name so, Lord, before we start accusing the world, before we start pointing fingers and, and placing ourselves on some sort of seat of judgment about the world and the sin that's in the world, God, I pray that we would begin repentance in the house of the Lord, that we would, your people who are called by your name, would humble themselves and pray. Help us to recognize the power of repentance among your people. Lord, we humble ourselves and pray and we seek our faith, your face and we turn from our wicked ways and Lord we know that when we do those things that you will hear us from heaven and you will heal our land you'll forgive our sins that you'll restore and you'll touch and that's our prayer to you today. God, we pray for those who are in authority. We pray for President Trump and Vice President Pence. We pray for the leaders of Congress. We pray, Lord, for the executive staff. We pray, Lord, for every leader in, at the federal, state, and local levels. We pray for every person of authority in any way, whether they're elected or appointed. We pray, God, that they have supernatural wisdom and just good common sense. God, I pray that you would surround those people with advisors who are rooted and grounded in, in your word, who are rooted and grounded in your wisdom. 
Lord, that even, even in a, a person that for whatever reason doesn't have a relationship with you, but Lord, you would influence their minds and their thought processes to lead them to the right conclusions and the right decisions. We pray for wisdom for those who are in authority. We pray for those who are in the medical community, those who are first responders, those who are going to be on the front lines of, of treating these patients and dealing with the chaos and the confusion that might ensue. God, we just pray for wisdom. We, we pray for protection. We pray for strength in their bodies, in their minds, Lord, in their immune systems. We pray for, for, for them in every way, Lord, just encamp your angels about them. God, we pray for those who are currently sick. We pray for healing. God, we believe in, in a God who heals we believe in a God who can touch bodies and who can restore them, Lord, to, the, to, to do what they were intended to do when you created us. So God, we pray healing for those who are sick. We pray, God, for those who are fearful. We pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding, Lord, to guard their hearts and their minds. We pray that in their times that they are most fearful, that they would seek you and find you as they seek for you with all their hearts. We know, Lord, that you will be found. You will be found by us when we pursue you humbly and passionately. God, we pray for those uh, whose jobs are at stake right now. We pray, Lord, for the economic situation that's developing in our nation as we struggle to respond and figure out where to put our feet and what to do. We pray, Lord, for, those, for, for every need to be provided, for people to rise up in generosity, to, to not withhold, but to continue to give to not hoard unto themselves, but that they would generously share with their neighbors, whether that's product or whether that's in, in monetary giving or whether that's in the generosity of spirit in sharing what we have that other people need. Lord, we pray for those who are believers. We pray for those of us who call you our father. We pray that we would rise up to the challenge as Nehemiah did. We pray that we would serve our communities well and passionately with love and in, with peace, without fear, without condemnation. God, may we come together as one body in unity, even if we choose to express things in different ways, may we come together and stop criticizing each other and be the beacons of light that we need to be. God, may we come together for your glory. Cover us in your blood. Protect us with your hedge. And God, now in regards to this virus globally, it is well beyond the reach of humanity. God, we're doing everything we can and it still grows. And Lord, we pray now that your mighty hand would intervene, that with your strong right hand, as your word says, Lord, that you would put a stop to this pandemic, that you would stop the spread of this virus, that you would stop it, God, for your honor, for your glory, and for the benefit of every person on this earth. And we will be careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And everybody who sees it will know that it could not have been the work of man. It could not have been the intervention of any human being, that it had to be your great power. So now God protect us and watch over us and be gracious to us. And from your word, from Psalm 57 today, we pray, God, be gracious to me. 
God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. And so let it be for every believer as we trust in you. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Please let us know if there's any way we can serve you or your family. If you have ideas, we'd love to hear them. And if you can sign up and help us volunteer and serve our community, please let us know. All the contact information you need is below in the notes. Thank you. God bless. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.